Welcome to the Bear Fiction Magazine podcast. I'm Robert Harper, editor of the magazine. On the podcast today, I'm delighted to be bringing you some theatre in the form of Matthew Bulgo's short play On Hold, which appeared in issue three of the magazine. Now, Matthew trained at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art and works as an actor and a playwright. His plays have been performed by the National Theatre Wales, Payne's Plough, New Wimbledon Studio and the Royal Court, amongst others. This summer, his one-man play Last Christmas, produced by Dirty Protest and Cluid Theatre Cymru, received rave reviews at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and it has transferred to the Soho Theatre, London, with Sean Pritchard reprising his performance. So you can catch that at Soho Theatre from the 9th to the 21st of December. In Matthew's play On Hold, a woman's routine falls into disarray as a tragedy besets her home life. The smallest things begin to take on whole new levels of significance, and now that her schedule has been obliterated, she finds that the most agonising thing of all is waiting. The recording you're about to hear was made on September the 24th, 2014, at the Dogstar Brixton, during the launch of issue three of Bear Fiction magazine. On Hold, by Matthew Bulgo, with Joanne Ferguson as Lindsay, directed by Alice Malin. The phone started ringing this afternoon, the home phone, and I, I just froze in my tracks. I couldn't even look at it, because I felt like if I looked at it and actually acknowledged it was there, then I'd have to admit it was ringing, and then I'd have to pick the bloody thing up, and I really didn't want to have to do that. I thought it must be... I ran upstairs to put some proper clothes on, and it started again, and the thing is, you see, I should explain this to you, the thing is, I'd never heard it ring before. It was strange to hear the sound it made. We never use it, you see, me and Gary. It was part of one of these packages with the broadband and the free view, and I just used my mobile, because, you know, three minutes and... When it stopped ringing, I realised I'd just been standing there, one leg in my tights and one leg out, and I must look really stupid. I felt really stupid. On my way down the stairs, I saw the bag of wet clothes that's just been sitting by the front door since the washing machine decided to pack in, which is another story, and normally Gary would be here and he'd be the one to fix it, and that's a, well, that's a whole other story too. So I grabbed it and I thought, these need washing, laundrette, that'll get me out of the house and away from that bloody phone. I slammed the front door shut behind me, and as I got to the bottom of the drive, I thought I could hear it ringing again, so I, I just kept on walking. And then, when I got to the corner of the road, I was really careful of the traffic, because it's an absolute nightmare crossing there. It always is. And then when I crossed, I, I just kept on walking. And now, now I'm here. It took me long enough to find one. I could have sworn there was one on City Road itself, but if there is, it's not there anymore. I looked. Still, it was nice to have the walk, to feel the air. I'm not sure how it all works, really. Do I just help myself, or...? I'm useless at waiting. I always have been. 
find a bit of a, you know, a routine. Usually, I'm up at six. I take Gary his cup of tea and go back to sleep. Then at seven, I hear the front door go, and that's Gary. That's Gary going to work, and that's when I get up properly. I have a cup of coffee, and I sit for a while, and I make my list for the day. Things I need to do, stock up on, bills I need to pay. I'm not working at the moment. I'm kind of between things and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I have a bit of breakfast, then a little walk to the shops, pick up a few bits and pieces. Then I do a bit of a clean, run the hoover around, a bit of a dust. I have some lunch, and then normally I watch telly for a couple of hours. Then, at two o'clock on the dot, or just after, normally I put a wash on. And while the cycle runs, I log onto the computer and I look through some job ads. I've subscribed to a couple of these websites, but it's all rubbish, really. Then, a bit later, Kyle and Jess come round. They're our neighbours' kids. We don't have any of our own yet, but we do. Anyway, I have them most days because, well, it helps Kath, you know, and she works nights and crazy hours, and, and I don't mind having them because, actually, it's nice to hear other voices in the house. Little voices. Then, once they've gone, I run some errands. Post office, before it closes, or coffee with a friend. Call my mother, make sure she's all right, that she doesn't need anything. And then normally, normally, home to get dinner on for when Gary gets in from work. And then we catch up on the settee with the telly on, and we'll be falling asleep by half past nine, so an early night. And then rinse and repeat. I was up at six this morning to make his cup of tea. Just how he likes it. Sweet and strong, milk in before I take the bag out. Then I just let it go cold, poured it down the sink. And so, the routine has had to change. I drag out all the little jobs to try and fill the whole day. There's always something. And then by bedtime, I'm dead on my feet, so. Anyway, this was a Wednesday, what I'm getting at. A few weeks ago, Gary had put the day off work. He'd had some holiday he needed to use. Even on his day off, he doesn't know how to stop. Waiting on me, hand and foot. He likes to treat me, I suppose. He'll have a bloody heart attack one of these days, I keep telling him. He'll be 30 this birthday, but he just doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> he'll bring me coffee in bed, and then after lunch, he'll walk into town and do the shopping. He'll usually go ahead and cook dinner too. Something a little special. It's a little treat for me. <coughs> the pipe must have come out the back or something of the washing machine because by the time I get in from the garden, there's two inches of water on the kitchen floor and Kyle and Jess think his bloody water worlds are having a whale of a time. They can be little tearaways when they want to be, but they're sweet kids, they are. I'm trying to get them dried off and there's a knock at the door. I tell them to sit on the sofa and don't move. When I open the door, there's a man and a woman standing there. 
I hear them say my name and I hear myself say yes, but I don't hear the rest. I don't hear it, but I see it. A car trying to edge through an orange light, a body on the bonnet, on the windscreen, on the roof, on the road, dented tins of beans and sweet corn and soup rolling on the tarmac. I don't see Gary's face. I don't want to see it. I want to pretend this isn't happening. They offered to take me straight there to the hospital, but I just, I shake my head and I say, the kids? When I go back in the living room, they ask me, what's wrong? Why is Auntie Lindsay crying? And there's water bloody everywhere, all over the floor and all over my face, and a pipe must have come out the back or something, and, and Gary would fix it. He'd be here, he'd know what to do. He should be here to fix it. I got them two back next door, told Kath about the washing machine, but I didn't say anything about Gary. I couldn't. I think she knew something was up, but... When I got in, I just sat on the sofa, turn on the TV and start flicking through the channels. There's a hostage being released on the news and there's a couple buying antiques. There's an interview with a pop star whose name I should know but don't. And there's a documentary about what it was like to grow up during the war. And there are adverts and adverts and more adverts. But no matter what I can put on, all I can think about is the fact that I've only just got your suit dry cleaned and filled the petrol up in your car. And I've only just changed your appointment at the dentist. And that I fucking miss you. And I need you to be here right now. I was sick into my hands, sick into the magazine rack. I could see myself reflected in the television. I looked so small. That probably sounds stupid, but I did. I just sat there. Don't know how long. I had nothing in my legs. Still having Kyle and Jess round. Service as normal. Like those bloody t-shirts. What is it they say? Keep calm and carry on. All that. I took a bag of grapes and a bottle of Lucozade. God knows what good I thought it would do. I thought it might help to... I don't know. He didn't look like him. All these pipes and tubes and wires sticking out of him. He looked like something had gone out of him. I think I thought it might help to, to fix him. I don't know. They don't smell of him anymore. I'd never heard it ring before. 
Not until today. I didn't think anyone had the number. It was strange to hear the sound it made. And then I came here. I've never been good at waiting, but I'll wait. Yeah, I'll keep waiting. That's what I'll do. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bear Fiction Magazine podcast, recorded on December the 1st, 2014. That was Joanne Ferguson performing Matthew Bulgo's play On Hold, directed by Alice Malian. Our next live event, which will include poetry, fiction and theatre again from issue four of the magazine, is on December the 11th at 68 Cafe in Birmingham. More details are on our website at bearfictionmagazine.co.uk forward slash events you can subscribe to this free podcast in the itunes store and via other podcast apps you can also follow us on social media on twitter facebook instagram google plus and others by searching for bear fiction some of the writing from bear fiction magazine is available to read on our website at bearfictionmagazine.co.uk where print digital copies and subscriptions are available to purchase and anyone that does so of course is supporting our non-profit organization The music for this podcast was Sidewalk Shade by Kevin MacLeod and is provided under a Creative Commons licence. I'm Robert Harper, editor of the magazine, and you have been listening to the Bear Fiction Podcast.